building the bridge between the church and the community. You know, the greatest need that we have in the world today is for the gospel of Jesus Christ to do its work. Our greatest need is not political. Neither is it financial. The greatest issue confronting us today is not fixing the economy. Neither is it creating jobs and reducing the unemployment problem. The number one greatest need that we face in the world today is man being made right with the holy God. There is only one cure for the sin problem in the lives of people, and that is the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The gospel alone can reconcile sinful man to a holy God. The gospel alone can change a person's life from the inside out and make him or her a new creation in Christ Jesus. Andrew Irwin, in his book, Each One, Reach One, wrote that the Lord's church cannot survive in any community without evangelism. Without evangelism, it is only a matter of time until the morality rate catches up and the doors close. The worst mistake any of us can make as God's people is to do nothing at all. The greatest need, the greatest need that we have in the world today is for the gospel to go forth. And so when you look at the book of Acts, the book of Acts is the most evangelistic book in the entire Bible. In Acts, you see the gospel of Jesus Christ at work. You see the church building the bridge between themselves and the community, taking the gospel, carrying the most powerful message to man. So I invite you this this evening to take your Bibles and turn over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and what we're going to focus on this evening is building bridges between the church and the community as a congregation. Our second part within this lesson is going to be building bridges between the church as an individual and the community. And so we'll look at Acts 17 and examine the Apostle Paul as he journeyed into Athens and build a bridge with those in Acts 17. So in Acts chapter 2, I just want us to dive right into verses 42 through 47. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. Once these individuals were baptized into Christ, verse 38. The text tells us that they continually devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together and had all things in common and they were selling their property and possessions and shared with all who might have need to the extent that anyone had need. Day by day, they were continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Our first question this evening, and as John mentioned, this is a discussion. What was the early church devoted to when you look here at the text 42 through 47? What was the church devoted to? 
here in the text. Yes, sir. They were devoted to the teaching of the apostles' doctrine. Anyone else? Fellowship. What's next? Breaking the bread. What's next on that list? Prayer. We see the church here devoted, committed to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. And as a result, the text tells us that they kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were being performed by the apostles and all the believers. They said they had what in common? Everything in common. They were united in mind, in heart, in service. It says, day by day, they continued with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, and they were taking their meals together. My next question here is, why were these people? As we look here in the text, it says that they had favor with all people. Why were these individuals attracted to the early church? What do you think caught their eye? They had just killed the Christ. They needed a way out. I heard community. I appreciate that. Anyone else? Let me get some hands, if you don't mind. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. A sense of belonging. Yes, sir. Absolutely. What did our Lord say in the Gospels? They will know you by what? By your love for each other. And we see the church here in the text manifesting love toward one another. And that caught the attention of the people in verse 47. Anyone else? Another hand. Yes, sir. Adding to the church day by day those who are being saved. Yes, sir. I think the thing that really impressed them as well was the fact that they, they were many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. That's bound to have a great impact on people to see that. That's something we're kind of listening on that study, of course. Absolutely. And I think that was a big factor for people at that time. Absolutely. It was astounding for them to see wonders and signs being performed 
right in front of their face. And so that must have caught their attention. Absolutely. I appreciate you mentioning that. One author mentioned that they did not merely endure one another, they enjoyed one another. And oftentimes in the church, that's what we, we do sometimes. We just endure each other. <laughs> but when you look here at the text, our, our brethren in the first century enjoyed each other's company to the point that they spent every day with each other. Day by day, continuing with one mind. Can, can you imagine right now at this very moment, spending every day, every waking moment with your brother and sister in Christ? D- don't answer that. <laughs> don't, don't answer that. But, but our brethren here did, and they, they enjoyed it very, very much. And the people in the area took note of that. They took note of that. Now, they didn't have to deviate, as we see some do today come up with certain tactics and tricks to to get people to notice them. They were attentive to the the doctrine of the apostles. They were active in service, and that's what made them attractive. How attractive are you today? What do you think people will say if they saw Christians, members of the Lord's church, and some people have witnessed this, arguing and bickering back and forth on social media. You think that looks appealing to an unbeliever? Do you think that looks appealing to the Facebook community? <laughs> Not at all. Any, any other comments before we move on? Yes, ma'am. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for mentioning that word. First impression. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Anyone else? Any other comments? All right. I want us to discuss this statement. Where there is spiritual growth, there will be numerical growth. Do you believe that? Absolutely. When a congregation stops growing spiritually, it will stop growing numerically. What are your thoughts on that? Where there is spiritual growth, there will be numerical growth. When a congregation stops growing spiritually, they start to remain stagnant numerically. What do we see here in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47? We see growth. Oftentimes, as a congregation, we we jump to numerical growth. We want to grow numerically. We need more youth. We need more more families in the building. We we need more people here in the building. That's what we jump to first. But that that wasn't the mentality here in the text. The, The church wanted to grow spiritually. That was their desire. You see that here in the text. And as a result of growing spiritually, what took place? They grew numerically. 
What can we learn from this passage when it comes to building the bridge between the church and the community? What can we learn here from Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47 when it comes to building bridges between the church and the community? Yes, sir. Classes, sir. They became one unified. It wasn't the rich, the medium, the poor. Mm-hmm. They sold what they had, came together a common cause for the sake of the community, for each other, for one another, and the souls of the community. Absolutely. They were unified. Like you mentioned, there wasn't any classes within the congregation, within the church. There was one body. Anyone else? Yes, sir. So you notice the order in which it's laid out. Mm-hmm. They didn't start. Note that they didn't start meeting needs of the community. They didn't start with that. It says they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. But that's where it starts. Absolutely. It starts with the teaching. It starts with the church that is well taught. A church that is eager to learn. Absolutely. I'm eager to grow. And from that flows everything else. Absolutely. It's known God's work that develops your spiritual maturity. And spiritually mature people are also individuals who are united, who are devoted to prayer. And naturally, from all of this comes forth the desire to reach out to other people. It doesn't have to be a program. Thank you. Absolutely. It should be a lifestyle for you. And I appreciate you mentioning the pattern that is laid out for us here in the text. Continuous devotion to the apostles' teaching. For us today, the application can be the word of God. And as was mentioned, you start to grow and mature. And so there's no complaining when it's time to work and get active in the church. People are willing and ready to sign and, and teach and devote themselves to the Lord's kingdom. Yes, sir. It's, it's not what can we do, it's what can I do. Absolutely. And then, so they begin to see that it was not just a matter of uh, gathering together. They begin to examine themselves and see what, what can I do to do things together. Absolutely. And that needs to be the mentality of every Christian here tonight going forward. What can I do to help further the kingdom? But that only comes from growth. You have to get to that point in your in your life as a Christian and mature. To say, what can I do to help further the kingdom? Anyone else? What can we learn from this this text here in 42 through 47? Yes, sir. One thing it shows, I think we forget, is we have to be busy sowing sowing the seed, but the power of regeneration, the action that causes the growth of God's Word, it's getting God's Word out there. We have to be busy. It's not what we do that causes the growth. It's not our action that's spreading that seed. It's God that causes the power of the Word that causes that Absolutely. God is the one who gives the increase, and we have a responsibility as an ambassadors of Christ uh, to share the message, to sow the seed. Yes, sir. They were letting their light shine, so they would glorify God. And then people out there are seeing this and going, I want some of that. Right. 
I want to find out what they know, what they're doing. I want to be a big part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I appreciate you mentioning that. And let's keep in mind here, not, not everyone wanted to be a part of this. Not, not everyone wanted to be a part of this. But those who did committed themselves to Christ and obeyed the gospel and were added to the church. So keep that in mind. Don't get discouraged as a congregation, as you're out and doing great works for the Lord and sharing the gospel and sowing the seed. If people reject the gospel message, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. Yes, sir. It's interesting that Peter was the one that was identifying this, not the church saying, look what we've done. Mm-hmm. Peter was saying, Absolutely. Uh, they were taking their means, they were going out and finding very lots of people who could not afford it. Absolutely. They were going up in, in the end. <laughs> Absolutely, I appreciate that. I didn't hear the words praising God. It says that they were praising God. Think about that for a moment. And after that, it says that they, in having favor with all people. Absolutely. They had their ducks in the road. <laughs> their priorities were together. And I think there's a lot that we can learn here from Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47 when it comes to our own personal lives and as a congregation when it comes to building bridges between ourselves and, and the community. We must be active and, and willing and ready to work so that way the church can look attractive and be attractive to those out in the community. Yes, sir. prayer and we see that here also in this in the text that's what they devoted themselves to was prayer Uh, and so i appreciate you mentioning that that's something that we must continue to keep doing if we want to continue to build bridges between ourselves and the community and as you mentioned teens every area of our lives and let that be known in the community that, that I'm a Christian who's going to praise God publicly publicly not, not just here in the worship setting 
But, but out in the community, I'm going to give God praise and glory and, and acknowledge him for the many blessings in my life. And it makes it contagious. Absolutely. So a healthy church attracts people to Jesus. See, building the bridge between the church and the community is more than just benevolent ministries. When we participate in ministry opportunities, are we focused on just doing good works or are we determined to help point people to Christ and his church? See, the church had zeal for Christ, which was contagious. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is what are we doing to make the gospel of Christ attractive to others? Who are you outside of these walls is a direct representation of the church. Who you are in the community is a direct representation of the church that Jesus died for. The people around you must see the great transformation in your life. And that's what they saw here in the text. The people around them saw the great transformation. They they were respected and appreciated for it. And people in the world today yearn. They, They long to see the image of Christ reflected in Christians. Let me tell you, I'm tired of hearing people call Christians hypocrites. Tired. You should be tired as well. Every day we should be striving to reflect the image of Christ. One author had mentioned Christians can have favor with the people when they reflect Christ and show the love, mercy, and compassion of Christ while remaining humble servants. And when people are confronted with the message of Jesus Christ spoken to them by one whom they know is living that message, they will surely be impacted by the message. Yes, some will turn away, convicted of their sin and will seek to justify themselves, but but many others may want to learn more. Why? Because they see that the Christian has something they don't. But this is only possible when Christians act like Christ. This is what we see here in the text. A congregation, a body of individuals acting like Christ. Thinking like Christ. See, there is nothing distinctive about anyone who acts like the world and thinks like the world. People in the world today should be able to identify you as a Christian. Let me ask you a personal question. When people see you, In the life that you live, do they want what you have? We see this here in the text. These people desired to have what our brethren in the first century had. 
So now let's look at Acts 17. In Acts 2, we see the congregation in Jerusalem building bridges between themselves and the community. But now let's focus inwardly on you as an individual. When you look at Acts 17, Paul was a bridge builder for God. He burned the cultural bridges and taught the truth about God to a group of people who were enslaved to idolatry here in Acts 17. See, bridge building between the church and the community is is also an individual work that that we should consider. Yes, we can be active participants in our local congregations, but but what about in our own personal lives? Are you building bridges between the church and the community? Are you building a bridge in the community where you live? What about at work? Are we bridge builders at the places we visit frequently? How many of us go to the same grocery store throughout the week? What about the same gym? How many of us lived in the same neighborhood for for 10 plus years? Well, let me ask you, how many bridges have you built in the community where you live? In the grocery stores where you shop? In the places where you work? Ask yourself that question and be honest. How many bridges have you built? Father, forgive us how many souls we, we've let go unsaved because we don't yearn over them as we should. You see, to be an effective bridge builder in our communities, we must be intentional. We must be prayerful. We must be concerned and committed. Not not only that, but I I believe we must be convicted if we want to be effective bridge builders in our communities. See, from the outset of Paul's life, he preached about Christ and him being crucified. Paul was on fire for Christ from from the first missionary journey to his last. He was even on fire for Christ while in chains. When you look through the prison epistles, as Paul was chained, he asked the brethren to, to pray for him so that he can make known the mystery of Christ and speak the gospel boldly. What a mindset to have. Here the Apostle Paul, while in prison, is trying to build bridges. <laughs> See, one could say that Paul never lost his zeal and conviction for the lost. And when you look here in, in Acts 17, starting in verse 22 and, and through 31, we know that Paul was concerned. He was concerned. 
When you examine Paul's life, it can be determined that the driving force behind his evangelism was love for the unbelieving world. After Ananias restored Saul's sight and baptized him, Paul immediately shared the gospel of Jesus in Acts 9, 1 through 2. When Paul entered into Damascus with a mandate issued by the high priest to seek out and arrest any followers of Jesus, Notice that that didn't happen. Instead of arresting followers of Christ, Paul became one in Acts chapter 9, 1 and 2. His passion for for persecuting the church turned into a passion for saving souls for Christ. That's the power and the work that the gospel can do in the lives of many. The hate that resided in Paul's heart towards Christians turned into love. And you see his heart for the lost in every missionary journey. And Paul's heart and mind were set on helping the lost see Christ here in this text. He was focused on on helping the lost find freedom in Christ. So he traveled miles to share the good news. You know, it's been said that that throughout Paul's ministry, he traveled more than than 10,000 miles. To share the good news. And he went on three missionary journeys to convert people to Christ. Paul had something essential for evangelism. You know what that was? He carried a burden for those who did not know Christ Jesus. So Paul was focused on building bridges individually, by him, personally, to those in these communities, in these areas where idolatry was running rampant. Here in Athens, it's been said that as Paul entered into the city, he stood in the center of the council of Areopagus, known as Ares Rock. And in verse 17, he was reasoning in the synagogue with the people daily, preaching about Jesus and the resurrection, and yet he went on to deliver a powerful message to those on Mars Hills with the hopes of somebody believing in Jesus. And obeying the gospel. You know, it's been said that there were over 30,000 gods in Athens as Paul entered into this city. But one author put it that there was more gods than, than men. And here we have the Apostle Paul building a bridge. Paul was not only concerned in this text, but he was committed. See, Paul's commitment and determination should be in the hearts of every member. Paul had a great zeal for sharing the gospel, and he extensively engaged in all kinds of evangelistic endeavors. He was committed to teaching Christ in synagogues with individuals and in public halls, homes, and through letters. Paul made building bridges between himself and the community a priority in his life. He wanted people to know Christ. It it was such a priority that that nothing or no one could could discourage him from from taking the gospel message to those who were lost. And at the end of Paul's first missionary journey, he experienced opposition from the Jews In Acts 14, 19 through 22, 
But guess what he did? The next day he went away to Derby and preached the gospel to that city and he made many disciples. Being severely injured did not stop Paul from, from making disciples. And here we are today, we, we offer God many excuses as to why we can't build bridges between ourselves and the community. There are some of us who've been at places for 10 to 20 years. And we haven't even tried to build a bridge. There are some who've lived in communities for 10 plus years and they haven't even tried to introduce their neighbor to Christ or share the gospel. See, Paul's commitment to Christ drove him to set the world on fire with the gospel. And we must do the same in the community today. His commitment to Christ motivated him to speak boldly before those in Athens. His commitment to Christ led him to proclaim the truth about Jesus and his resurrection while on trial in Acts 24 and 26. Paul had a profound commitment to Christ. And if we want to be effective bridge builders in the community, we must commit ourselves to sharing Christ. Paul was a servant, a faithful servant of Christ. His entire evangelistic ministry flowed from the depths of a servant spirit. He was a bond slave to Jesus Christ. He was also a bond servant to his agenda for the world. Paul poured his heart and soul into sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who are lost. Where is our commitment today? In our communities. Where is our concern? Where is our conviction? Are we truly committed and convicted to helping the lost? We live in a dying world. And people need the saving message of Jesus. They need it. I'll share with you a personal story, how I came to Christ. I was converted in 2013, the North MacArthur Church of Christ. I was invited by a friend to to play basketball on a Wednesday night. I was reluctant because I did not want to hear the gospel. I did not want anyone telling me the lifestyle that I was living was wrong. But thank God that there were devoted men, committed men there at North MacArthur who did not just want to play basketball. They had a mission. They were intentional. They were concerned and committed. Their focus wasn't just basketball. Their focus was trying to get souls to come to Christ. So I got into a study. We started in the Gospel of Matthew, and I can remember like it was yesterday. We were going through the Beatitudes, and it just hit me right in the chest. I felt conviction. I felt lost. I felt hopeless. And I told Tommy Palmer that day, I need to be baptized. I need my sins forgiven. 
And from that very moment, I've had a burning conviction to help save souls come to Christ. I was the only person in my family as a Christian, but November of last year, I baptized my my aunt into Christ at the Wagner Church of Christ. My point is we cannot lose our fire for Christ. Some of you have been Christians for 20, 30 years. Some of you have been Christians for five years. I don't know. But do not lose that conviction of helping people come to Christ. You can't. You cannot lose that conviction. You have to continue to to build the bridge between yourself as an individual and the community. Where you work, where you live. And for some, where you go to school. So what is it going to take for us to become concerned? What is it going to take for us to become committed and convicted in building bridges between ourselves and the community? Hands. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. We have to develop the eyes of Jesus. We have to have a heart that loves strangers. We can't be... Indifferent. We have to look at the soul of man. And I believe that's exactly what our Lord did, of course, but also the apostles. When you look at the book of Acts, they didn't just see flesh and bones. They saw souls. Men and women who would one day spend eternity in one or two places. Paradise or torment. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. You don't have to have all the answers right then and there. You have your brothers and sisters to, you know, phone friends or help with a Bible study or something. Absolutely. You do not need to have all the answers to help point someone to Christ. One thing I think we we forget, pray. Amen. Pray. That was Paul's secret to evangelism, prayer. You want to help point someone to Christ, build bridge between yourself and the community at your work and where you live, pray first. It starts with prayer. And if you're not praying, then you're not going to see any increase. You must pray for yourself, number one, that God would give you the confidence and the conviction To speak forth the mystery of the gospel. Number two, you must pray for the the person who you want to point to Christ. That their hearts will be soft to hear the gospel. And one day obey and that God will give the increase. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. You have to express that desire to you have to help us to express Jesus outward, and you have to um, be that um, be that personality, have that personality that's going to be that accepting, be that welcoming, um, 
that yeah, that 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 passionate person that um, that that people are going to you know they're gonna they're gonna want to know what what makes you that person. Absolutely. Yeah, they're gonna want to know you know what make, what makes you be that person all the time. You know what what makes you happy. Why are you always so happy? Why are you why are you always feel that way? Why do you always have a smile on your face? Absolutely. You know. You know, because I'm a child of God, Absolutely. And, I, and I know, I know that I'm saved. So let, let me, Kevin, Kevin, let me tell you why I feel this way. Absolutely, that's how you build that bridge, and you slowly start to build and build and build and build until you can help that person come over. I appreciate you mentioning that. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you mentioning that. There are a lot of people baptized, but very few people converted. And those who are truly converted have made themselves disciples of Christ, believe that they have worth something to share. We have the message that have been given to us, and that is the message of reconciliation. Do you know we've been entrusted with the gospel? The most powerful message in the world. You've been entrusted with something by God. So it's apparent that that we be good stewards of what's have been given to us by our master. Anyone else? I'm going to share with you what I read and, and then we'll close in prayer. You know, I believe wholeheartedly if we had a glimpse of the suffering that takes place in torment, we would be more active in building bridges between ourselves and the community and in, in saving the loss. We would be more motivated to point people to the cross. We, we would be driven to aid those who are in sin. And the, the reality is hell awaits every unconverted person. And we will all know someone this evening who needs the gospel. We know someone at this very moment who needs the gospel. When are you going to start building that bridge? When are you going to go to God in prayer? For your coworker, for your neighbor, for your family member, for your friend. When are you going to go to God in prayer fervently and devote yourself to prayer so that you can help that soul come to Christ? You see, whatever... We're doing. We have to switch it. We have to change our mindset and our attitude. So what are we doing to turn them off the broad way which leads to eternal punishment? We must warn the wicked about their their ways in love and help build that bridge. I'm reminded of a song, and I don't know if you've heard of this song. I'm sure many of you have, but you never mentioned him to me. How many of you heard that song before? What a convicting song. How deeply grieved our souls will be. If any lost one there should cry in deep despair, you never mentioned him to me. 
You never mentioned him to me. You helped me not the way to see. You met me day by day. And knew I was astray. And yet you never mentioned him to me. Oh, let us spread the word where'er it may be heard. Help groping souls delight to see that that wander none may say. You showed me not the way you never mentioned him to me. Will we start building bridges at this very moment? To help those who are lost come to Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God and Father, I pray for a conviction this evening upon all of us here tonight that we will be concerned for the souls that are out here today who are lost, maybe in error or maybe steeped in, in sin. I pray, Father God, that we will help souls come to you, that we will work on building bridges between ourselves and the community through, through prayer and conviction. Forgive us, Father, for opportunities where, we've, where we weren't intentional. May you open our eyes and give us the hearts of Christ. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.